Welcome to Coffee to Go, where we center ourselves in the seasons, scriptures, and holy days of the Christian tradition. I'm Karen Peter, and I'm here with Blake Smith, and we welcome you on the journey. So, this week with Jesus, we are still in Jerusalem. We're in ordinary time, even though it's coming towards the end of ordinary time for us. And this is the time in the in the calendar, in the scriptures, and in the lectionary where Jesus is being questioned by religious authorities who are not pleased with him. And the parables and stories and teachings um, that Jesus uses keep indicting them, and they are getting more and more frustrated, and they grumble and look for ways to trick Jesus into saying something for which he can be vanquished. He is the enemy to them, and they wish to vanquish him, and so they keep trying all these different avenues to figure out a way to catch him in a trap. So today, Jesus is telling a parable about invitation, which Blake and I both serve in the office of 70, so that is a topic we are very partial to. Who is invited to God's table, into God's realm, referred to here in this scripture as the kingdom of heaven? So let's find out. All right. And before I uh, start the passage, I just want to say we've, for the last couple of weeks, as we've gone through um, these interactions with the Pharisees and the scribes, we've had some pretty graphic pieces uh, in the parables that can be used and quite honestly have been used to describe what God is like. And I just want to point out that uh, the use of hyperbole by the gospel writer um, is very evident here. And there are deeper meanings in these passages. Quite often, it's actually um, the the listeners who are interpreting what God's response ought to be based on their own understanding of current culture. And so, as Karen said, we're, you know, we're going to focus on invitation, although there are some words in this that we might find that's a little caustic, that's a little hard. It um, is. But the hyperbole, Blake, don't you think it's for shock value? Sometimes I read this and I go, Matthew was just hammering, you know, the listeners because this is this is decades after Jesus was gone. Um, The writer of Matthew never met Jesus. But boy, Matthew is using a hammer here. Right. Right. And actually, they're living in this time where Nero is in charge and there's a lot of stuff going on. Right. Against the people. Is this the. the harsh reality, yeah, the harsh reality, the harsh of, the reality of, yeah. of a lot of persecution. So, all right, so our passage does come from the Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, the first through the 14th verse. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm and other to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited 
were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. That last line is one that I've heard used over and over again of an excuse and a reason to leave folks out. So we want to just again, hyperbole, hyperbole, hyperbole in this. Um, What's important here uh, is this, this idea that those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad so that the wedding hall was filled with guests. There was no one too good. There was no one too bad. And there is no one too good or too bad for inclusion at God's table. Goodness and badness are irrelevant here. Everything that has gone before, all of our mistakes, injustices, shame, worry, it has no bearing on God's invitation. God's invitation is always there. It's only a willingness to accept the invitation with humility and an open, repentant countenance that matters. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point of the, of whoever the guest was not wearing the robe that we're trying, that's trying to be made here? It isn't that, oh, there was someone that was too bad, but no, that's not it. It's that that person came in and was not willing to accept the invitation with humility and repentance and, and that kind of thing. Right, right. I mean, I, you know, when we when we think about one of the themes through Matthew's gospel is this idea of radical discipleship, taking the laws and the commandments and the guidelines and the rules and all of that stuff that the Pharisees had held up and taking them and going an extra mile in this context of God's boundless love and mercy. So the kindness and the repentance. So what is required here is a transformed heart. The transformed heart it, brings about a physical, visible change in one's countenance, in their attitude, the way they present themselves. When when we put on compassion and kindness and humility, it's like putting on a different robe. We are seen differently. We present differently. And that that is, it wasn't the way they came in. It was the unwillingness, like you said, to repent and, and to accept disgrace and mercy and and allow it to transform them yeah um, and and get the real meaning of the gift of being invited to the banquet so some questions that come to mind for me uh when have i been surprised by an invitation to someone's home uh, for dinner or for celebration and how did i respond I was thinking about that, Blake, and it was kind of like, what does this have to do with this? But then I thought about what does an invitation entail? It entails my willingness to come and be in relationship with someone, right, and share a meal at the table. And that's part of transformation, I think. Yeah, I was just at a gathering in this last week, and there was someone who showed up to the gathering 
that was kind of a surprise because I knew that a, a fam there was some disagreement between a family member of the host and this other person. And my original thought was, oh, why was that person invited to the party? That's asking for trouble. And so I asked the host and he said, I intentionally invited that person because I wanted to see them. I wanted to be in relationship with them. And so the other person had to deal with it. So ah, taking responsibility. Ouch for our own actions. Ah. Ouch, ouch. Okay. <laughs> there, there was some intentionality to that invitation. On a more personal note, I would say who was invited to my party or my table? Everyone is worthy of an invitation to God's celebration. And, and so I have to wonder, are there some unspoken or unresolved criteria that I use to determine my own worthiness or someone else's worthiness to participate in the sacred community I'm trying to create? And, and finally, just really going on that idea of, of our countenance and, and transforming in robe, I would say, what, what do I wear when I show up for God's celebration? Uh, do I bring an attitude of haughtiness and anxiety and animosity or superiority? Do I carry with me grudges, fear or shame? And what would it look like to put on a different robe? What would it look like to come with an attitude of hopefulness and repentance and anticipation, compassion, or forgiveness? Those are great questions for the week. I have an idea of how we might kind of live in this scripture this week, but one of them might be just what you said, Blake, which is to imagine um, each day when you get dressed, what is a what is a piece of your countenance that you probably don't need to be wearing today if you really want to talk about discipleship and what what piece, what robe might you need to put on instead each day and to be intentional? I, I love the scripture. I think it's Colossians to clothe yourself in compassion and imagine that. Imagine putting on your shirt or your jacket and, and that's compassion today. And you're putting your arms through the sleeves and you are wearing that today and see what it does for you. So I'm just the other. I'm just going to be transparent here real quick and say, sometimes I have to make sure that my countenance matches the clothes I'm wearing because, because I've been involved in ministry and been to a bunch of camps. I have a lot of shirts that say, you know, something, a scripture passage or something like that. And it's like, okay, does my countenance match this? Because if I go in somewhere and I'm frustrated and people go, mm -hmm. wow, interesting. It says Jesus <laughs> on your shirt. <laughs> I have a good story about that, but it's not suitable for public telling. So <laughs> say that to another day. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So another way we can experience this this week is to um, have an experiment with invitation this week. So invite somebody to coffee or lunch or to even just go for a walk with you. Uh, make your conversation a celebration with kind words and hopeful questions and joyful responses. A lot of times when we gather with others, we might um, fall into gossip or discussions of things that are not always um, healthy and transformative. So make your conversation with this other person this week a real positive expression of what it means to be um, invited together to approach God's divine table with a countenance of humility and repentance and forgiveness for yourself and for others. Hmm. 
All right. Well, our blessing today comes from Celtic Blessings for Everyday Life, which were compiled by Ray Simpson. May God, who clothes the flowers and feeds the birds of the sky, who leads the lambs to pasture and the deer to water, who multiplied loaves and fishes and changed water to wine, lead us, feed us, multiply us, and change us until we reflect the glory of our creator through all eternity. As always, thanks for joining us here at Coffee to Go. We invite you to join us here at Coffee to Go again next time for the next part of our journey through the liturgical seasons and holy days of the Christian tradition. Mm -hmm.